Welcome to the Esri and the Science of Wear podcast. An ongoing war highlights the need to document conflict and get humanitarian aid where it's needed most. The data from smartphones, social media, drones, and high-speed internet now make this possible. The U.S. Department of State worked with international partners to create the Conflict Observatory, a hub that captures and analyzes this information. Dr. Susan Wolfenbarger leads the State Department's Location-Based Observations for Conflict Analysis, Trends, and Evidence team. She recently shared the achievements of the Conflict Observatory at the ESRI User Conference, where thousands of data scientists, geographers, and leaders gather to share innovations. More than 18 months ago, the world watched the buildup of Russia's military forces along Ukraine's borders. We saw the growing presence of Russia's troops presenting a clear threat to Ukraine. Just before the full-scale invasion, the State Department's Bureau of Conflict and Stabilization Operations gathered a group of conflict analysts and Ukraine experts to discuss what could be done about this threat. CSO's mission is to anticipate what might occur and devise strategies to rapidly respond to crisis situations. Using time series data from the Armed Conflict Location and Event Data Project, or ACLID, we can see how Russia's war machine rolled further into Ukraine on February 24th and began to lay waste to the country's sovereign territory. We knew that Russia's brutal full-scale invasion would lead to the unfortunate need for atrocity documentation. And so we harnessed geospatial analytics to document these abuses remotely. And the Conflict Observatory Program was created that uses many spatial data sources and open source investigation techniques to document such crimes. This work follows international standards The Conflict Observatory Program is a fantastic team of teams comprised of nearly 70 subject matter and technical experts, including the Yale Humanitarian Research Lab, the Smithsonian Cultural Rescue Initiative, Planetscape AI, Quiet Professionals, and Esri. The teams began documenting war crimes and other abuses using commercial satellite imagery and other sources. So when the Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe called for documentation support in early March, Yale rapidly responded to this request for information. Their report focused on hospitals and other medical facilities. This critical infrastructure is almost never considered a legitimate target of war. Destruction of civilian infrastructure can also lead to large-scale impacts, as we saw when the Nova Kakova Dam along the Dnipro River was destroyed on June 6th. Using a growing database of civilian sites, the teams were able to rapidly assess not just the extent of the inundation, the impact on agricultural storage sites, museums, schools, and hospitals. We've also learned about the abuses that Russia's forces are perpetrating against Ukraine's civilians. Early in the war, we heard rumors of the Kremlin's use of filtration operations, where Russia's forces detained, interrogated, and forcibly deported Ukrainians. Relying on open source investigation techniques, Yale was able to shed light on this weapon of war. They told the world that Russia's actions were not a normal condition or consequence of war, 
but in an abusive and invasive system where civilians were taken into custody, families were separated, and civilians were detained, interrogated, and tortured. Yale mapped out this system across Donetsk Oblast, identifying key sites in the system, like Bezimene, where they collected commercial satellite imagery and geolocated photos, videos, and textual evidence. Yale continued its research into the transfer of Ukraine citizens, this time focusing on one of the most vulnerable populations, Ukraine's children. On Valentine's Day, the team released a report on Russia's relocations of thousands of Ukraine's children. They documented the role of top officials in the movements of children to at least 43 sites in Russia, all the way from Moscow to the Bering Sea, as well as in Russia-occupied parts of Ukraine. The children were taken to camps with names like Teddy Bear, and Mountain Key, where open source information shows that some were subjected to military-style training. Given the scope of these large-scale systems of abuse, we knew that we needed to do documentation at an extent that had never before been attempted. The Smithsonian Cultural Rescue Initiative and its partners at Virginia Natural History Museum's Cultural Heritage Monitoring Lab and the University of Maryland track potential damage to Ukraine's cultural heritage sites. We know that Ukraine is rich in cultural heritage. The team has developed a database of nearly 28,000 sites, too many sites to monitor manually. To triage the entire country, they're using thermal detection data from NASA satellites. The satellites detect heat signatures, not just from fires, but also conflict-related events, like shelling. Next, they incorporate cropland areas into the analysis, since agricultural burning is a standard practice in Ukraine. Using these layers, they can quickly determine sites that might have been damaged. From there, we can task high-resolution satellite imagery to investigate individual sites, like the House of Culture in Lyman, a community center and cultural hub for the city. The main building that contained a theater and a library with over 30,000 volumes was destroyed by shelling and fire on April the 30th. Another way that we're monitoring large portions of the country is with innovative analytic services provided by Planetscape AI. Using this process, the team can now triage the entire country's cultural heritage sites for damage. More accountability efforts are now underway, and the teams are producing case files to support the search for justice. The conflict observatory was created in response to the invasion of Ukraine, but this is a capability that can be deployed anywhere in the world, wherever there's conflict. Let's take a look at where we recently deployed the system, Sudan. On April 15th, fighting broke out between the Sudanese armed forces and the rapid support forces. Aklet again tells us the story of events that were unfolding. As the fighting continued, I got the ask. Could you build a conflict observatory for Sudan? Can you monitor a tenuous ceasefire? The answer was yes. 
the teams began documenting threats to human security and critical supplies. The human mobility metric is another way that we're monitoring the situation using advanced analytics. It helps us understand the population movements by leveraging location data from cell phones. And with it, we can understand population movements that are associated with actions by the parties to the conflict. We're using this data service across Sudan, not just in Khartoum. So we saw when there were concerning population movements happening to the west in Darfur. We again used thermal detections to identify anomalous burning activity alongside these changes in population movements. We saw targeted burning incidents that we verified with daily satellite imagery, like the village of Daraba in South Darfur. We saw the burning of a United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees facility. This is an unfortunate return to tactics that we have seen in the past. The Sudan Conflict Observatory affirms the United States' commitment to transparency as we work with partners to, to address human rights violations and abuses and to aid humanitarian access. With the Conflict Observatory, we've taken the latest methods and built a team with diverse skill sets so that we can tackle problems from multiple angles. It's a story of how government officials and private industry and academia are coming together to make sure that technology works for democracy. It's a capability that can be deployed anywhere in the world nearly immediately, and it's not hampered by situations on the ground. As global crises continue, the State Department will continue to leverage these innovative geospatial tools to help us anticipate, prevent, and respond to conflicts that undermine U.S. national interests. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Esri and the Science of War podcast. And thanks to Dr. Susan Wolfenbarger for explaining the role geospatial technology plays in speeding humanitarian aid in times of crisis. If you like this episode, please share it with a colleague.